All right. Man, it's good to see you. You're looking good. Well, let me make sure you're looking good. I just said that. See, now you're looking good because I see you up there. So, Yeah. Praise God. I've been all over the place. Where am I going here, though? Now you got me thinking where I've been. It's actually been a neat thing. The last four weeks I've been in five churches, and it's neat because it's been able to see a little broader picture of the body of Christ. It's good. It's a healthy thing. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends. I, I kind of realized in doing this that I actually do have a lot of friends. And, and I have a lot of friends who pastor. And one of the things about pastoring is you never actually see what your friends do. You just assume they're out there. Because we all work the same hour of the week. Right? You can see each other in coffee shops all week long. But, so it's been really neat to get out and to see people. and to, uh, You know, I can just give you a little... These lights are a little too bright. I watch a lot of the video online and I'm, I get washed out. Bald people get washed out. So uh, I have to move back to get in... There we go. Uh, but, uh, but I want to, I so I've been in a lot of churches speaking, sharing a lot of things. God's been moving in some really cool ways. Been internationally, was in, spent a good bit of time in West Africa in January. Uh, this coming weekend, Sadiq and I go back to Kenya in East Africa. Um, yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool what's, uh, what's going on. I, I know that you're talking about and you're beginning a series on the transformed life. And so I want to I kind of kick that off. I guess if I'm allowed to, I wasn't really like... Jeff said, hey, we're starting this series. I said, good. I like it. It's, the transformation is a good thing. Uh, I've experienced I've seen it. I recommend it uh, because I can tell you that human beings are in trouble. And so we need a massive transformation. And God is good, and he's really good at transformations. And so that's what I want to share about today. And I'll talk a little bit about uh, what's happening international because the ministry that we're doing, I know there's you know, whatever, you see a ball or you see a sport. Listen, it's all about transformation. We happen to be using a basketball hoop, a ping pong table, whatever. It's all about transformation, whatever it would take. If it took, whatever, a box of Kleenex to get somebody to experience transformation, I'm buying stock in Kleenex, right? Uh, so whatever it is that can bring somebody to encounter the Lord and be transformed, that's what we're about. And so that's the whole heart of it is that I want to, I do want to mention though, because I don't want you to miss the word that was spoken this morning, on that, that uh, right at the beginning, um, Rich came up and said, he said, uh, God is a sensitive God. I want you to hear this because there's something about this we can't miss. We're, n- we're not in a normal time of following Jesus. So if you follow Jesus for a few decades, you can't follow him like you did uh, 10 years ago or whatever. It's a different time. There's such strong pulls to conform to this world. And let me just say, some people right now think they're being formed to Christ when they're actually being formed to a weird form of Christianity that is not kingdom-minded. And so I want to encourage you that um, we need to get, we need to encounter this sensitive God. And the word was, I'm a sensitive God, come and dine with me. Come and dine with me. We can say, like, uh, let me read Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, because uh, you're, you're probably going to hear this over the next four weeks. It's hard to talk about transformation without using these verses. Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your reasonable, your spiritual act of worship. And he says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to know and test and approve what God's will is, 
his good pleasing and perfect will. Strong verses, I encourage you, by the end of March, all of you have to have that memorized. I'll, let's do this. If you don't have Romans 12, 1 and 2 memorized, you can't celebrate Easter. <laughs> no eggs for you. Uh, but, but I'm serious, get that in you because there's such a strong thing there that we've got to get a hold of. And, you know, Rich was mentioning, um, you know, this is our, you know, 17 years of running a Bible school is pretty solid for, uh, you know, a small town church. But it's not just reading the Bible. You know, you can, you know people who read the Bible and you're like, are you reading the same Bible? <laughs> right? So it's not just like, well, I memorized a few things in the Bible. It is the Bible, but it's more than that. It is our heart. It is a humility. It's a tenderness. It's a willingness to say the things I believed before and I thought were right are wrong. You know what I'm saying? Have I preached heresy? Yes. Have I done it on purpose? God help me. No. I haven't done it on purpose, but I know that. And so there's a humility that comes with this. That's why he says, offer your bodies. That's everything, right? You take away the body, I actually don't exist. So when he says offer your bodies, that's the whole, you get the whole thing when you get the body. Offer it, why? Because if you're going to be transformed, you've got to really lay it all down. And you even got to be willing to say, maybe what I thought about this isn't right. Or maybe what so-and-so said about this and I don't like so-and-so, but it's actually right, I have to believe it. Ouch. That's what transformation is. Not just knowing the Bible. Gosh, a lot of non-believers know the Bible. So it's a heart and a humility, and it's a dining with somebody. When, when uh, a lot of cultures, and these are, this is a, a Middle Eastern culture would be this, and so this was the, the Bible was written in a Middle Eastern culture. Uh, most of the hot climate cultures are this, and that is a dominate in hospitality. So hospitality is the highest virtue. It's not really the highest virtue in the North in America. Uh, when you live in the cold, our highest virtue is to survive and to be efficient. Efficiency is the number one. So I will knock you into a snowbank to get to it. So, but the hot culture climate where, you know what, even if you don't harvest your food, you'll pick an apple or a banana off the next tree. So it's hospitality dominates. And here's where, here's when you, when you see that is when you, when you know people in these cultures, like in every place we spend in Africa has to say dominate in hospitality. So it's so important that when you hit this point of Eating in their house, you win. Then you're in. I'm in for life if I've eaten in their house or if they've eaten in my house. And then the other level, the other level is when you've slept in their house or if they've slept in your house. If I'm introduced by anybody in Africa who spent time here and has been in my house, I'm always introduced by this. It's extraordinarily awkward, so just understand the wording. They always say, I want to introduce you to Pastor, Pastor Rick. I've slept with him. And we, I think, do they have to say it like that? It always goes, you slept in my house. Can we just get the, but it's such, because there's a, it always is like that. Like, gosh, the, but it's a, but it's a, uh, there's a, because what it is, is when you dine with somebody, when you're in somebody's house, there's that closeness and that intimacy that it's a lifelong bond. And so that's the call of God on your life. God's calling you not to just visit. He doesn't even want to meet you in the coffee shop. He wants to dine with you. You could say in your house, but he's really looking for you to enter his house, which can be your house because it's a, but he's looking for that intimacy. So when we're talking, when you're going into this, this transformational thing, 
and, and seeking God on transformation, just know he's really looking for it. He's looking for it. This is the time right now, if you're looking to uh, find uh, where you fit in with the Lord in this world, it's a funny place, uh, find it in the transformational power of Christ, which happens when you dine with him because he's a sensitive God. And so go after that. So even as we, so, so Father, I just, I just pray that you really have us catch that, have us not miss, miss that in the midst of anything that we're doing. Have us catch the fact that you're calling us into a deeper and a closer walk with you than we've ever been before. Break down our pride. Break down the things that we're, even if we don't, we're maybe arrogant about whatever. And give us a humility, Jesus. A humility that comes from sitting with you. Teach us today, Lord. Amen, amen. I just want to share some things, uh, a little bit about what we're doing. I mean, I have, you know when you have a guest speaker come and they seem like they just can pull stories out of their back pocket that are really cool? And you think, I wonder if they just make those up, which you do. So just, you can, yeah, there's a little license to storytelling that you, but I, I'm one of those guys now. I just have like a suitcase of stories to tell. And so I'm not going to tell them all. You're going to get like two. Because I, well, listen, I got uh, 15, I got 19 minutes. So you only get 19 minutes worth of story. Uh, so, but there's more in, in the future. But I, but I want to just get, let you know a little bit what we're doing. But I really want you to know the heart of what, and when I say we, we, really want you to know the heart of what we're doing. Because we tapped into something, not really out of our intelligence. We tapped into something that is so potentially massive, we have no concept of this. So let me just explain to you what it is, because some of you maybe don't know um, a little bit about what the International Sports Academy is. And, and it is this. It is having people encounter the Lord Jesus Christ and be transformed. That's what it is. But how does it work? It works like this. Imagine, this isn't hard to do now, but imagine if young people lived in a world where there were no sports. None that they played in, none that they had access to, none really that they could watch in person, none that they could watch. Just think about that world, because that's an interesting world, because it's such a part of our world. You say, I don't like sports. Well, but let me just tell you, you benefit a little bit from sports, because you live in a world where there's sports. And, but imagine that world. I can tell you that's the world most of the world lives in. Doesn't exist. So you say, well, no big deal. They can just deal with it. Well, it is a big deal because there's something that can come out of a sport that is bigger than kicking a ball around. And so imagine that world. Then imagine, because every young person likes to run around and do something, whatever it is, depending on where you grew up or what era you grew up or where neighborhood you grew up, you invented something to run around and kick. Just did. And that's, what you, that's where games came from, because enough people liked what you invented, and boom, out comes baseball or whatever. So it, it's always in the heart of somebody to be active and to do things like this. So what we've done is gone into these cultures that have no access to sports, and then imagine if the world, let's just take Warren County, Stockwell County right here. Imagine if sports were introduced, and the, the only place where sports were played and organized and run by were the church. Would the church have some access to young people? Can we say all of them? And so what we're doing, going to places that don't have any sports, and we're helping churches set up healthy, godly, awesome, amazing sports programs, 
And guess what? Everybody's in the front yard. So now suddenly these people who see this, there's, the gospel's always been good. Can we just say amen? The gospel's always been good. Can we also say amen? It's not always impacting people. And usually the reason that it's not impacting people is somehow there's a disconnect. Awesome eternal gospel. Life-changing power of the cross. Person who wants the life-changing power of the cross, but they don't really even know it. But they really do want it. You do understand that everybody is seeking what the gospel offers. They are. They're searching for meaning to life. They're searching for how to beat death. They're searching for, I wish there was hope. I wish somebody loved me. I wish I knew who I was. I wish, you know, all these things. So even the person who's not even remotely seeking after the gospel, they're looking for what Jesus offers. So you've got the people who have the need and the desire. You have the goods. What if they touched? The problem with the church isn't we have a bad message. The, pro the problem is we're not connecting with really anybody. Because we're barely connecting with ourselves anymore. So we're just a complete disconnect. It's happening worldwide. That's not a you problem, you problem. That's a, whoa, we have a problem. So what we're enabling to do, and I've said this to my friends in Kenya, because I know them the best. I said, listen, you guys are great preachers, but uh, nobody's listening. <laughs> listen, in America, we have a lot of places to train preachers, but we're not connecting with the people who really need to hear the gospel. That's a me problem. Please understand, I'm not saying you dirty, rotten. You know, no, this is a me problem. It's better to recognize it than to pretend we're doing fine. And so what's happened and what we've been able to help our friends with and we're, uh, is that we've given them contact. We've put them in the same place. John chapter 4 uh, is really a driving account to me of how this works. And this is where Jesus meets the woman at the well. And I think you know the story. I'm not going to read it. You might have to go and read John chapter 4. But what happens in John chapter 4 it says this. It says uh, Jesus was going from Judea, the south, up to Galilee, the north. And it says uh, Jesus had to go through Samaria. And just a little, little bit of 2,000-year-old newsflash, he didn't have to go through Samaria. In fact, many Jews crossed the Jordan, went up the east side of the Jordan. I'll stand like this so you can see my map. Crossed the Jordan, went up the east side of the Jordan, crossed back over, went into Galilee. Why? Because those dirty, rotten Samaritans were there. We don't like them. They're the half-breeds who kind of steal a little bit of our stuff, and we don't like them. Bible says Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why do you have to go through Samaria? Why? Because Jesus is all about the Father's business, and he's all about people. So he goes to Samaria. He goes to Jacob's well, sends all the boys, his disciples, out to get food. He's, I'm going to sit on this rock by the well. So he sits on the rock by the well. Boom, there's the well. Nobody's there. Jesus had to go there because he was about the father's business. He sits down at the well. This lady comes out at noon. Not a prime time to get water. She comes out at noon. Jesus then begins a dialogue. I guess I can't see you in the back. Uh, Jesus begins a dialogue with her about, could I have some water? She says, hmm, you're a Jew. You're a guy. I'm a Samaritan. I'm a woman. Why are you talking to me? 
And he says, well, actually, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for water. Here's what she does. Scratching her head. You don't even have a bucket, dude. How are you going to get water? And they begin to talk. What happens is, see, I want you to, I want you to see this. This is the lady who I'm talking about, who's searching for truth, and she doesn't even know it. Jesus is the anointed one. Sounds like a lot of us. And wherever he goes, so goes the anointing. So he went to the well. Why did he go to the well? Because that's where the woman was. Was he thirsty? I don't know. Nobody got a drink that day. If you read the story, they get into this amazing conversation. She leaves and goes, gets everybody. He's sitting there. She leaves her bucket. You know, do you, do you think at the end, Jesus said, oh God, I'm still thirsty. <laughs> Nobody drank the water that day. Why? Because it's not about the water. But it was about the water. If there wasn't a well, who would have been there? Nobody. The well's pretty important. Jesus is just sitting on a rock in the desert. What's wrong with him? But he sat at the well because that's where the woman was. She met him. They begin to talk. Transformation happens in massive ways. She, she, you know, we've got, we got the move of the spirit going. We've got prophetic words coming. we got an impact on her heart. She's changed. All this stuff. She then gets the spirit of evangelism on her. She runs to the village, brings everybody back. Where? To the well. Still, nobody's getting a drink of water. They all come to the well. You know, we kind of lose track of it, but we're assuming there's like, if we use the post-Jesus words, there would be salvations and revivals. And, but the whole village was touched and impacted by the gospel because Jesus had to go to the well because it was not about the water. It was about the people. Transformation happens when? When an anointed servant of God intentionally hears from God as they're in contact with the people. Let me just tell you something about our anointing. I don't want to get into too much because I'm not really sure what's true. But I can tell you there seems to be a range of my anointing. Right now, I'm not impacting by California by my anointing. Why? I'm not in California. Seems like there's some proximity to me that my anointing from God impacts you. Just does. Now I understand prayer and I get all that. But I'm just saying the anointing that, that, that I walk in, the Jesus that lives in me, is kind of bound by me. Fortunately, I'm not the only one. So when we leave here, vroom, we're all over the place. But we've got to intentionally say, I'm carrying the call of Christ wherever I go. And we need to look for where is the well God's calling us. You've got a lot of wells. Just view them as that. Think, Man, why do I have to go to work? I tell you why. Because it's a well. Get there. Why? Because somebody else is there. And love that person. Share with them. And just you know, you know, be there. Whatever it is. You go to, what do you got? Maybe you got a... a, a I don't know if there's any concerts and, you know, we're in a weird world. So do you realize we've lost most of our wells in the last year? I want you to just see about the spiritual implication of that. The place where you used to go and impact people are gone. So just pay attention to that. So whether it's a sporting event, whether it's a PTA meeting, whether it's a knitting club, I don't know what your well is. But when you go, you go there and be a good part of that club. 
But just know that you have the anointing with you. And somehow God wants to just love on those people and reach them and all that stuff. So all we're doing is we're going places in the world and helping them create wells. And we right now have found the hottest well there is. And we're helping these places, these churches, um, start sports programs. And it's red hot. I mean, they want it. We have literally, and I'm not joking when I say this, I'm not exaggerating. We have invitations from tens of thousands of churches And they say, come and help us start sports ministry. Why? Why do they want this? Because they want the people. And there's a well out there that everybody's gathering at. And if that well, we literally have seen this in places. If, and we've done this, we've helped with this. If if a church actually has the literal only well in town, like real water, the whole village comes there for obvious reasons. We're doing that with whatever sport it is. Let me just tell you a couple stories of how this works. I have a soccer ball because it's very flat. It does say official size on it. And it says no slaves made this. Not crazy, we have to say that. Um, it really does right there. No, no child, slave, bonded, labor used on this ball. So, But it's flat, maybe. <laughs> but we're, we're in... Let me just show you, tell you how this works. Uh, we are in, um, we're in a small village. We met some people in uh, um, Togo. Um, and Sadiq has known this lady for 25 years. Edith is her name. Awesome servant, amazing people. You do realize that most of what we would think of as the heroes of the faith, you will never know, you'll never read about, and you'll never see. I actually want to write books and do uh, podcasts about these heroes that are out there. They're all over the place. They put us to shame. They're out there doing the stuff. And, you know, we're complaining about whatever, stools and carpets and chairs. I mean, whatever we're doing. And so, so she's out there. She's been working with this village steeped in witchcraft, ancestral worship uh, for two years. Has a small work. And she every weekend for three days goes out there. And she... Uh, uh, shares with people. It's a small little, it's, so re- it's such a remote village. There's no electricity. There's one well in it. It's such a remote village that the kids can't go to school until they're old enough to walk four miles. So the kids don't go to school until age 10 or 12. However, whatever age, maybe there's an advanced walker. Uh, so they literally don't go to school. So that's how remote it is. So she's, we, we, we know her. Sadiq knows her well. We stayed with her son. And she says, come help me. She says, I want to start using sports out there. And so we stop, we, we get three soccer balls. She says, I've been able to reach women, I've been able to reach children, I can't reach any men. They don't come out. So we go out there, pull up on a Wednesday afternoon, so far away and so remote and all that stuff. Um, but the, uh, um, I'm so glad somebody likes my stories, right? Thank you for the feedback. Yes. Take notes, everybody, just do that a little bit. Oh, wow. <laughs> So we go there, we get out of the car, bang on a drum or whatever we hit, a tire, uh, the inside of a tire. Everybody comes running. Um, we share at the church service a little bit. People come, we talk about She talks about how we're going to use sports um, over the weeks ahead and stuff like that. So this is what she does. All when she got the word out that we we're going to play soccer, there were about 150 young guys that came. It's like the whole village and it's multiple villages because they came from. Here's what we did. Whoop. Yeah. Boom. Boom! Every young guy everywhere came. 
Now, Edith is a fiery evangelist who's been discipling young people for three decades. She's like, I know how to handle this. So they play this amazing game. We got, you know, 50 women in a cheering section over here doing dances and all this stuff. And we got this going on. I'm like, man, we just hit the World Cup. And it's all stuff going on. They're dodging this thing. It's like the classic, you know, when the car was third base in the game. They were jumping over this and all that. So at, at a certain time, she calls them out. Everybody comes in. She's able to share with them. and They're all hearing the gospel. They're loving it. All that stuff. And then they go back to playing soccer. We had to leave. So here's what's happened as a result of that. Every week, she hosts a soccer game. Every week, every guy comes to that. Every week, every person hears the love of Christ. Now, it's just, and it's like, it's too easy. This isn't difficult. Watch what I did. Look at this. Who could possibly do that? Yeah, genius right here. Huh? You would probably take a ball with air in it. Uh, what now has happened is we've gotten four neighboring villages who said, we want to start a team. So now we have five villages that are, when I say steeped in witchcraft and ancestral worship, we have no concept what that is. I'm talking about little monuments built that have little statues in them where every day somebody from a village that is in poverty and, and struggles with starvation, they take food every day and put it under these little things. This is demonic stuff. You say, oh, you're out playing sports. Really? I'm going after the gates of hell. And if it means kicking up, I don't even like soccer. Am I allowed to say that? Yes, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but but the and, and when I when I say uh, it's juju is what it's called over there, but it's voodoo witchcraft. It comes in different words. There's a head witch doctor right there, and so we're talking deep, deep spiritual oppression that Jesus can break through. And I'm watching all these kids play, and I and I thought about this. I thought there's something in the natural that maybe we don't always time think of as breaking down the spiritual uh, strongholds of the devil. And that is joy. You don't usually hear people teach about, let's do spiritual warfare, let's smile. Yeah. Right? I mean, you don't say, but because we live in a culture that just smiles. Even if it's, nice smile, thank you. <laughs> Even if it's pretend, we strive for joy. I'm telling you, there's something about those emotions that make it hard for the devil to play. And I'm just saying, as we take things in that are even as simple about kids playing, I know that the enemy says, rats, I liked it better when they sat over there and felt sorry for themselves. And so it's not just the overt spiritual stuff where Jesus is moving. It's we're creating a culture that's going to be hard for him to snatch the next ones out. And so th this is the kind of thing, and we're seeing it in, I, I, I just, Here's where, here's where we are right now. We're working in Kenya, India, Sudan, Ivory Coast, Ghana, Togo, Guinea, and uh, others. Um, others are on the list that we haven't been to. We're in slums, big cities, Hindu cultures, Muslim cultures, refugee camps, villages. We've used basketball, volleyball, ping pong, darts, soccer, baseball. We're even starting video games when we go over next week. 
People are drawn to the church because of the sport, and while they are there, they encounter the transformational power of the gospel, and their lives are changed for all eternity. My friends, it's way more than sports. It's all about people and God touching people's lives. It's all. Let me just read this because we get. We've never been to. Uh, this is from the. Um, just got this letter. I don't know if Sadiq, if you even got this. Uh, this is from the Assemblies of God in the uh, Republic of Guinea. We've not been there. He says, he says, dear me. Um, <laughs> wow, he wrote it to me. <laughs> he says, uh, receive our cordial greetings in the name of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. By this letter, we come to your ministry to request a partnership with your ministry and us. Indeed, we are the youth department of the Assemblies of God in Conakry, capital of the Republic of Guinea. Our activities include, he goes on to explain all these things, and we're requesting, you know, could we do this? And he says, our young people love sport. We firmly believe that through sport we can win souls for the kingdom of God. We've participated in several sport competitions in the city of Conakry. Unfortunately, we lack equipment, uniforms, which slow down the realization of our sport activities. As your ministry evolves in the proclamation of the gospel through sport, we therefore seek your your partnership with us to enable our brave young people to reach their friends through, through sport. The one particular church, our largest, has a, has a youth that includes more than 500, which is significant resources to reach the youth. It just goes on and on. But I just point that out. I've never even been to Guinea. I haven't even been two countries away from Guinea. We're getting official letters on real letterhead with a stamp seal on the thing saying, come on, we're ready for it. We're literally finding, I shouldn't say literally, we're finding something very similar to the Macedonia call that Paul got in the book of Acts. Remember, they were like, where do we go? Do we go here and go there? They had a vision of somebody saying, come here. And they went there and they met cool God stuff. I'll tell one more story and then I'll be done. The, uh, we were in, uh, this, was, this particular one was in the Ivory Coast. Oh, then I'll show a video because we better do that too. Uh, well, I don't know when I'm going to be back again. And so I feel like I, so I they said 11.15. I'm like, okay, 11.15. And then, oh, gone. Um, so the, um, we're, we, were, we were heading over to the Ivory Coast to do a lot of things. And um, you know the Satchos, Seedine and, and Dr. Satcho. And they said, hey, we have a friend over there. Could you meet them? We said, sure. We have like two days and we have 38 things to do. Um, why not? And so we, we go over there, and, and, and she says, could you, could you, if they're watching, we love you so much, Satcho, so I'm telling this kind of funny, but this is, uh, she says, could you take them some chocolate? Um, sure. Now, the irony is the Ivory Coast produces 60% of the world's cocoa. I want you to hear that because it's actually super sad, and if you want to fight against and see how, how whatever, racist inequality in the world is, they produce 60% of the cocoa. They don't have chocolate. Something's not right about that. So we, we went through Paris. We got this bag of chocolate. So Sadiq's carrying chocolate all around Paris. And, and uh, we get there with this darn bag of chocolate. <laughs> you know, you're, yeah, I don't want to carry chocolate. It's going to melt. I don't want it. We got it in our seats. We go to our place. We got this bag of chocolate and all these things. <laughs> so, um, so we get there. And the, and the one night... Um, it was actually the night of the Bills game. So we had a long day of ministry, drove a long way, finally got back to our place. It was the afternoon Bills game, whatever playoff game that was. And we found a way to watch the game. So we found it. So we're like, yes. And we had to get really close because it was really small. 
can't imagine how far away it was. And the, the, uh, so we're watching it. We get a call from this person who is the Satcho's friend. And, and uh, she says, hey, how about we get together tonight? Now we're dead tired and we finally found the Bills game. Right? This is where the flesh and body and spirit and all of these things. And she comes up and she says, yeah, we'll go see you. So we go see her. Way larger story than I have time for today. It was the coolest story, amazing, miraculous things that this, these people and Sadiq had been involved with before. They had no idea. They were both raised by the same spiritual father. It was unbelievable what we found out there. Who ironically, when we were at their house, came to our house and visited. Cle uh, Pastor Clement was in our house. Sadiq hadn't seen him in 22 years. And we're in these people's house who were also in the country of Mali, raised by this guy. Are you kidding me? How does this happen? So we get there and the guy, the guy says, uh, um, we were talking, had a nice time. And he says, you know, what are you guys doing here? Because they didn't even know us. We just got chocolate. <laughs> he says, what are you doing here? And we said, uh, you know, we're, we're helping. In that case, we were at a large assembly of God, uh, all the youth leaders. We were helping them establish sports ministry. And, uh, and, and, he's, and so we explained how we're using sports to reach kids and all that stuff. So this is a, he's a pretty official banker. He's a pretty high guy. Kind of looks at us like, what? I thought, what did I say? <laughs> like, is it illegal here or something? He says, you can't believe what I just was at today. He says, I was at an all-day leadership meeting for our church, and we're seeking God on how to, how to reach into our city and how to do things and, and how to reach the young people. And he says, in the conversation, somebody said, maybe we could use sports. And he said, but we said, how would we know what to do? He gets home a half hour later. We show up in his living room. Wow. Yeah. Is that crazy? It's wild stuff. And it, it actually keeps getting better because actually the church he was in was planted by Ed Irwin's great, great aunt yeah. in the early 1900s. Like, whoa, this is, this has been, so this, you say, what has my life been like the last two months? Like that. <laughs> Everywhere I go, I've seen stuff like that. It's bizarre. So I'm trying to write things down because I, I'll forget all these things. But, but, so then this is what we do. We, he says, you have to come to our leadership team and all. So we go and meet with this pastor and the, the pastor's like, this is incredible. This is like Paul and Macedonia. Da, 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 da. So we had a whole day with them and met with them. And here's how we left it. They said, we're ready. You just tell us what to do because we want to reach the young people of this city. Wow. Amen. As this is, we're seeing this in literally thousands of places. Here, let me just end with this. Um, <clears throat> oh, I didn't tell you the better stories. Here, here uh, I don't even know where you can hear them next. You have to come to Kenya. Um, the, well, here's what I really would ask you to pray for and be involved with. Uh, pray that, and you can write these down if you want. Um, we, need to, we are developing a reproducible model because what we have before us is way larger than we could ever do. You know, I, could, I mean, we've, we have multiple denominations of more than a thousand churches saying, we're all yours, show us how to do this. Well, that's ridiculous. I can't do that. I can, I can do maybe one. And so, so we've got, we're talking uh, thousands. On a, so we're producing a model that is reproducible. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, teach guys who can teach. Teach women who can teach, right? So all we're doing is producing a really simple model. Remember how I threw that ball out there? That's our model. Throw out the ball. Now, it's a little bit more complicated now. We have a whole teaching thing. Uh, we're producing a lot of our video. I'm, I'm, speaking, I'm speaking in French. 
I don't know any French. I'm teaching down in Warren, and it's in French. So I actually just got a, an email today from a whole teaching I did. They just sent me the transcript in French. Like, I don't have anything written in English. And now I'm published in French. So there you go with that. Uh, so because West Africa speaks French. And so, so, but pray that we have a legit reproducible model. And that's what we're working on. And it's happening. It's coming. It's 100% reproducible, even by people who don't like sports. Somebody said, I don't really like sports. I said, do you like Jesus? Do you like people? You're in. Remember, Jesus didn't even bring a bucket to the well. He didn't bring a bucket. He did pretty good. You don't have to know anything about sports. You've got to like people, though. If you carry the anointing, you can do this. And so pray a reproducible model. Then, then I mean, obvious. It's no secret. Things like this do take money, and they take resources. And so pray that it is. We have, we have a model that is so ridiculously efficient. I said this in December, March, I mean, in November, December. Now we're finding that what I said probably is, is true, and that we can connect a young person and take this at-risk young person, connect them to a church with quality disciplers on a regular, probably weekly basis, we can connect them. So that's whatever you want to call that. It's discipleship. Take this high-risk person, connect them to a church. We can just about do it for a dollar a kid. It's unreal. Why? Because we, I mean, this is the most expensive thing we have. This, is it. this thing's not worth anything. This is the most, so we're literally able to do that. Obviously, there's travel, and you know, I, I do want to continue to eat, so I, I understand that. Um, I think my family does too. So there's a little bit of cost, but I'm saying we can, we can reach 100,000 kids for $100,000. I, I don't even have a question about it anymore. 20 bucks for a soccer ball? You connect 100 kids in a village to gospel workers. That's good bargain. 20 bucks? 100 kids? I'm telling you, so I do want, I don't, like when I speak at other teachers, I don't, church, other, what are they called? Churches. I don't even talk about money, but listen, you're my family. I'm just letting you know, you want in on this, get in on it. It's awesome. I've never seen anything like it. And then the other thing is, um, is winning this battle in the heavenlies. The stuff we're seeing cannot happen in the natural. It's so bizarre. So bizarre. We dropped our car off one night at midnight had to take a car back to a guy's house and the guy who was there heard what we were doing he goes to a church and he's a martial arts instructor and he says could we do this with martial arts i said do you love jesus he says yeah i said you got kids he says yeah i said yeah you could do this with martial arts we accidentally started a martial arts outreach i don't even know who the guy is he just caught a vision. You can't make this stuff. We got to win in the heavenlies. And this is where our prayer team's behind us. We will start, uh, we have a little office in Warren. We'll start uh, weekly prayer meetings for the nations as soon as we get back and stuff like that. I'm going to stop because I've gone over a little bit too much. And so, um, but I just want to encourage you that God is moving in places. There's a lot of byproducts to this. So it's one thing to say, oh, a kid is coming and meeting Jesus. Let me just read you some of the byproducts that we absolutely are seeing. As we go after young people, and because we're our whole goal is salvation and church growth. Those are the two things. But here's what we're seeing. We're seeing refugees find homes. We're seeing people 
stay in school. Literally, we have, we have people who are in school today because this ministry came into their village. Right? So education, we're fighting witchcraft. We're absolutely, it's the craziest thing, we're fighting human trafficking. We're over there with basketball, soccer balls, ping pong balls, and people are getting rescued out of human trafficking. We are, um, we are um, uh, going, when we, when we're, especially when we're dealing with um, women, we're finding such an empowering to women. One of our big teachings is girls like sports too. And so we're heavily encouraging these places to you know, start doing women's sports. Well, if you've lived from the 70s to now, you watched a major massive empowerment of women in America, and it's not really pointed to, but I'm telling you, Title IX changed the lives of women. It empowered them because you get a good athlete, you don't mess with her. She's confident. She knows what's going on. She figured out some identity. She might be able to beat you up. So those... Uh, uh, but I'm just saying it really empowers these young women. We actually had one of our coaches over there. He is working with a tribe in northern Kenya, way up there. And they practice female genital mutilization. So because he went in, he's actually stopping this practice in a tribe. Listen, it's way more than sports, people. A little soccer ball stops a terrible tradition in the tribe. Yep, it does. Why? Because the gospel is powerful. And when anointed men and women go in, things change yeah. indeed. So let me just say thank you. Uh, thanks for praying. Stay in touch. Uh, there, I think some of you got a little piece of paper. There's ways to contact us and things like that. There are shirts out there. You just take them. We just kind of, we have a bunch of shirts. We actually produce our own shirts now. Uh, and then just give donations. There's no cost on them. Jackets, whatever, anything out there. Don't take the pictures. We kind of like those. Um, unless you want them. You can have them. What do I care? You can have the soccer ball. But let me just thank you and uh, really appreciate you praying and supporting and all that stuff. Because when I say we, I mean we. We're on the ground floor of something that has so much potential. If we do it right, it's going to be, it's, we're going to see a revival that comes like no other. And I know that. So, Father, thank you so much uh, for my great family here. Thank you for... Um, just thank you. Thank you for what you're doing and thank you for having us be part of this. We're just humbled that we're, we're, we're in the game. And so bless you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you. Amen.